Hello everyone and welcome to the podcast. This is Having a Cuppa with Chris Nell. Upon hearing this, to our newcomers that is, here is where we broaden our minds to things sight unseen and as such educate ourselves to find our center to be humble. The best part of it all is, it's not a huge mountain to climb. All the above is obtainable with a cuppa. Before we get to the nitty-gritty, I'd just like to take a moment and to say a hearty thank you to every one of our audience for streaming or even downloading on all our appropriate outlets and their respective affiliates. If you could, I have a small favor to ask. It would be immensely appreciated, and though I cannot stress this enough, it is absolutely not imperative for you to do so. But if you could... I would really appreciate it if you could write and rate us on namely Apple Podcasts, on Audible, on Podcast One, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Purely simple, it helps us to define where we head in the immediate future. Now, starting with our previous guest, Emily Waters, if you haven't heard that episode, check it out. We continue with our array of guests from the masses of those in recovery from the receiving end. Cue my guest, Stephanie. Stephanie is a sober mother relishing her new role as both parent and friend. She's both bubbly, soft, and she continues to remain teachable in the realm of staying sober. Our conversation to follow went in all directions, and as such, I'd like to give a shout-out to our mutual friends Sarah Elizabeth, who comes back to the podcast soon, Hilary, Mac, and even author Clay F., all who are briefly mentioned as well. Speaking of Clay F., now that the thought crosses my mind, his follow-up to the sarcastic Big Book is now available to purchase for yourself, courtesy of Amazon, or you can even simply visit www.sarcasticbigbook.com to learn more of the entity that is Clay F. as writer, and uh, do have a listen to his pod called KMP3 Recovery Radio Thousand Oaks. That is letters KMP, numeral 3, Recovery Radio, Thousand Oaks. Available on Apple iTunes, Spotify, and appropriate affiliates. Now, before we head on to Cali for our umpteenth visit, drop me an email, info at chrisnell.co.za, to request an interview to appear on this show. Likewise, follow me on Instagram by my handle, chrisnellmedia, radio acting music, or simply follow my Facebook page. Uh, oh yes, I also have a website to which you can visit. It's as follows, url www.chrisnell.co.za. It's that simple. You can book me for your next event or your forthcoming production. And we'll try to give you the best that money can offer. After this important message, the charger hits the gravel to Southern California with thermos of fresh roast in hand, so we can enjoy a camper with Stephanie. Coming up after this, stay right there. This portion of the show is being brought to you by our mystery sponsor, a product that is so good that they're paying us to keep anyone from associating it with this program. And now for our feature presentation. Nothing like the finest selection.
Nothing like the open road. Let's see where it leads me. My name is Chris Nell. In a burgeoning career spanning half a decade, I've done a bit of everything. I've walked the boards on the stage. I've essayed emotions and intention down the barrel of a lens, and I've kept the public on its toes through the coil of a mic. Now, I've entered the world of podcasting. During my quest, there's many questions that need an answer. There are many voices yearned to be heard, and many stories aching to be told. I want to hear them all. I'm a vagabond with an insatiable curiosity. Now I'm hitting the road. Welcome to my journey. invited to hear the stories and the views of people spanning the globe. You'll be taken places through the odyssey of your imagination, from the palm trees of California to the Everglades of Florida, the prairie hills of Alberta and the cathedrals of Montreal and beyond. Come along as we discover the hidden truths to matters of the heart, matters that knowledgeable people share. Artists, activists, advocates, and survivors. They share because they care. People like you and me. Join me as we learn what makes them tick. Sit back and strap yourself in. We're having a cuppa.
we're in sunny California, I believe. So, Steph, with that, welcome to the show, darling. Thank you for having me. It's only Hi. a pleasure. It's going to be fun. Mm. You and I have come to know each other over quite some some time. I think it's roughly about four months, mm-hmm. just off the top mm-hmm. of my head. And the reason why I wanted you on, I've had a lot of specialists on, people who have been actively involved in recovery coaching. But now it's enlightening to see just from the ordinary Joe, their perspective on life, love and everything else post-addiction. And with that said, let's begin at the very beginning. In your own amount of words, how more or less did your addiction start? What was the origin? What was the origin? Well, I come from a family of of alcoholics. So right right then and there, I, I, it's my belief that I might have, you know, had predisposition to, to have this alcoholism. Um, I was a normal drinker for a very, very long time, I thought. Um, and then when I got into my, oh, I don't know, um, probably my, I don't know, Chris, to be honest. I don't know when it really, when, when the disease finally t- really came to be, like when I, when I stopped from being a normal drinker to becoming an active alcoholic in my disease. But I can tell you that before I came, um, you know, into the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous, I was drinking every day for the, the two years before I came in. And that oh, was nice. not always the case. Yeah. Naturally, of course. You know, I just did a podcast recently, and I've always said this, no one asks for a disease. And my predisposition about addiction prior to yesteryear was because of bad choices, because of self-loathing. But ultimately, I've realized in my walk that it is a disease, and it can eat you from the inside out. You mentioned generational and it's so interesting that you should bring that up i had a gentleman who started world recovery day it's now starting to happen annually in september and uh, it is a generational disease in the sense that one person gets affected in the family tree it skips another generation and then the generation thereafter might get affected in biblical terms you might call it the sins of the father but ultimately just to press you a little further on the matter, you said you were drinking excessively for two years before you ultimately came to a point of surrender. I'm betting there was a lot of self-loathing, questioning, confusion at play. Am I right? Yes. Yes, definitely. <laughs> but what was going through your mind at the time before you uh, became sober? What was coming... What made me come into come into? Can interpret it that way. It's an open-ended question. Okay. It's an open-ended question. Okay. I was married for eighteen years um, uh, to a man who is not an alcoholic, and in in no in no. Um, what is the word? This is not his fault, but he right. continued to tell me I wasn't an alcoholic when ah. I had other people feeling that possibly I was. I see. 
and um, I grabbed onto that, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and when I divorced him, we went through our divorce, etc. Um, I came into a relationship with someone who, who, uh, who drank, and I was I was the type of alcoholically, and uh, I I was the type of drinker. This is just my story. I didn't. I don't like to drink by myself. I, I, I just don't. And uh, so when I came into this relationship, my my disease finally took hold of me because I had a partner in crime. You know, not his fault either. But I think that helped my disease really take off, and I started to create more and more and more mm. wreckage. I and see. became less present with my children and uh you know just started doing things that that uh were not things i am proud of of course we all yeah. did we all did sure. so as i'm understanding this right you were in a disabled fashion where you someone said you weren't a drinker but then concurrently you were enabled so someone was enabling you to drink and often I've oh Chris no I wouldn't okay. say it that way I no one enabled me to drink no one I enabled you you say I, I made those choices okay but now I had someone to drink with and like I said I didn't I was now not I understand you better who drink okay. who it's just the way my my alcoholism was or the way I drank I um I didn't drink alone mm-hmm mm, I hear you Alcoholism is a funny thing because with my alcoholism, I was more the high functioning in a social setting, never drank a solid drop. But when I was behind four walls and a door where no one could see me except under the eyes of God, I would partake vehemently. But if there's one commonality, one common thread is that self-loathing afterwards when you drink to excess. Did you have similar feelings like that? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I, I just, I keep bringing it back to my, to my children. Cause that's, that's what finally got me. It's just realizing I was changing into the woman that God did not want me to be, um, mm -hmm. you know, and, uh, you know, the, the, the guilt and shame from that wreckage, um, and my bottom, which I would love to share as well when you would like me to do that that's what changed everything for me and what was your bottom exactly <sighs> my bottom was <clears throat> i was 42 years old at the time and i've been sober a little over almost about seven years now mm -hmm. and i was 42 and uh, i had gone at that time to my nephew's uh two-year-old two-year-old <laughs> birthday party with all my family and and it was a it was a beautiful party and it was wonderful and there was lots of alcohol etc and uh, not to say that I drink in excess but um, there was someone in my life that did at the time and long story short when we got home my son who's now 22 uh, was 15 at the time he didn't like things he was observing mm. and he had some fear 
and there were other minor children and there were some other minor children in my home and um unbeknownst to me my my son who i've had complete permission to share all of this had some friends over um and uh excuse me while i pause for a moment go for it um It's, it, you know, it's just not something I'm proud of, but I'm grateful that this scenario happened because it changed everything in my life. Of course. Yeah. And uh, he said to me, Mom, <clears throat> he said, my friends and I are going to go down the street. Uh, Take your time. Yeah. My friends are going to go down the street. Uh, to another friend's house and just hang out for a little while. I said, okay, great, no problem. I had two younger children up the stairs playing Xbox. And three minutes later, there was a bang, bang, bang on my front door. And it was the police. And my angel of a son, who I owe so much to, called 911 because he was in fear. Um, and basically, he had to be the father, you know, the mother that I couldn't be in that moment. And uh, and I'll, I'm grateful for that moment because it changed everything for me. The next day in the morning, bang, 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 bang on the front door. Child Protective Services. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. And uh, I share this a lot with people in hopes to help and so that people can relate <clears throat> that I never in a million years thought this would happen to me. You know, that I, you know, I had children. I wanted to be a mother. I wanted, I don't believe God put me on the earth to do anything to, to be the mother that, that he wanted me to be. And in that moment, at the time, I had my youngest in my lap because they were all, inter you know, they had to interview each child separately. And, mm -hmm. um, but for him, because he was so young, my youngest, I was allowed to be in the interview with him, but I wasn't allowed to say anything. And he was in my lap. And Chris, when he was in my lap, before they, the woman uh, started interviewing him, mm -hmm. I prayed in a way that I had never prayed to God. I love before. that. And I said to him, and I meant it, and I begged him. I said, I will do anything you ask of me. Please do not take these children from me. And uh, by the grace of God, um, they were not taken from me by Child Protective Services. But you had to do probation, I'm guessing. No, I didn't have to do anything, Chris. Not at all. No, I did not, because there was not enough evidence. Uh, okay. To take our children to take my children from my home. However, they had to. They did call my ex-husband. All right. And um, because that's just the way it is in California, and um, and I'm grateful for that, and I'm grateful that. Uh, my ex-husband 
also is a believer and knows me well, knows me very, very well. And um, he's, my ex-husband basically said to me, look, look stuff. Here's the situation. I need to have the kids and I need you to bring them to me. And, uh, and I did. And uh, he said, we'll, we'll figure this out in a couple days. You know, just take some time for you. And, um, and it was my time with them, you know, and, uh, and I never wanted to lose a day, you know, with those children. And so uh, I just felt this calling on my heart, like God saying to me, my higher power, who I call God, um, you've got to change stuff. You've got to change everything. Like those kids meant the world to me, mean the world to me. And, uh, so Chris, what I did was, you know, at the time I had two brothers and Alcoholics Anonymous with, with a lot of time that came in before me. And I have many, I have other family members and Alcoholics Anonymous as well. And um, I found out where, the, where our meeting was. And that, and I, and, and that night, that day, uh, I was in a, a meeting of Alcoholics Anonymous and uh, I've been there ever since. Well, that would have been my next question after what you've shared, and thank you very much. That's very courageous of you to share. You know, coming to a point of emotional surrender, this is just an observation, also comes in a variety of forms, where ultimately you either come to a point or you are forced literally on your knees, which the latter fell in your case. But at that very point, realizing that you're at a crossroads, a T-junction, where it's either left or right, which avenue am I going to take? That is the most distorting part, and I think for anyone. But you mentioned now Alcoholics Anonymous. If there's one thing that I'm grateful for, of what this last year has given me as a person, I never expected. Now, bear in mind, I live my life on very low expectations. I take each day as it comes, but being welcomed as a foreigner, to be honest, into the arms of Americans, into this environment of unabated, unforced love, that is equally in the beginning emotionally traumatizing, but is equally healing. So you literally have to trust the process, but now we're helping all over the place. But if there's one thing, <laughs> yeah, hey, you're smiling. We're hoppers, Chris. You know me. We're ho I hop. You hop. We're hoppers. <laughs> we're little bunnies. Hoppity hop. Mm -hmm. But in the process as well, I find, and here comes the question, there's a lot of things you have to unlearn, thinking being one of them. How did you start to unravel your thinking when you started attending the program? Well, Chris... It's funny you say that because one of my brothers at the time was on the program and he had told me uh, when my nephew had been born two years previous to me coming into the rooms, he, he said to me, uh, and I, I wish this had been my bottom, but it just wasn't. And uh, he said, I'm so sorry, Stephanie. He said, uh, you're not gonna be able to, to babysit this, my baby, my child. Um, 
and it was his first and only child. And and I said, you're kidding me. I, I, you're kidding me. I would never drink and drive with 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 your child. I would I, I would not drink in front. What are you talking about? And Chris, that's the type of drinker that I was. Uh, I know it's not everybody's story, but I could go periods of time without drinking. So if you mm. and, and I know that's not every I know that's not everyone's story, but I have found people that 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 are able to that drink the way I did. Um, they get on benders, systematic benders. Like I, I didn't drink when I was pregnant. I didn't. I mean, I, I could control it at some times, you mm, know. Mm. And uh, I said, you know, you know, I can do that. He says it's not that. He said, Steph, it's not that. He goes, I really don't think you would, because if you did, you'd never be able to watch him again. Mm, and and mm. I, you know, and I, at that time, I still had a little common sense, and. Uh, Little common sense. The disease hadn't, fully, you know, the disease hadn't fully taken over, you know. Um, right, hadn't whatever fully it might be, Chris. I honestly don't know. I, mm. I, I don't know. But he, I said, well, but we'll use that for shorthand. Yeah, yeah. What did you say? I said, but we'll use Chris? that for shorthand. It hadn't fully enveloped yet. It hadn't fully come to fruition. Correct. And what he said, I said, so what is it? What is it? Tell me. Why Why can't I then? He said, Stephanie, it's your thinking. It's your thinking. That's why you can't watch him. And I didn't know at that time, Chris, what that meant. You know, I wasn't in, I wasn't in the rooms at that time. And I, I said, my thinking. And he said, I know you. Your head will be all spinning around and you'll be texting. You'll be on the phone and you'll have drama and you'll have this. And I was like, oh, and I was so insulted, Chris. I was just like, how dare you? But but now I look back on that and it's like, of course it was my thinking. <laughs> it all makes sense, you know? Uh, yeah. I forgot I forgot where we were going, but whatever you said to me made me go back to tell you that, that situation because you said, what did I do to change my thinking or, or mm, what, mm, mm. was that what we were talking about? You hit the nail on the head. Yeah. Well, I worked the steps. I worked the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, I'd like to say that everything changed for me that day in my thinking. I mean, in, in uh, not that day, but coming into the rooms mm. and working the steps, which I worked a couple times. But it didn't, Chris. It really, um, I mean, things got better. I didn't pick up a drink, uh, you know, but it's really within this last year, um, reworking my steps, the way they're outlined in the book, exactly how they're outlined in the book, mm. following the recipe. Have I really, really, really gotten a clearer and more precise change in my thinking? And it's good to hear. But in the same sense, and I want your opinion on this, as much as we can try our best to change our thinking, and we were just talking about this earlier off air, that you can't control the outcome of destiny that's been planned out for you by God. I will mention a small little parable to you in conjunction with that. But it can be difficult to let go in the beginning, because here's how I characterize it. When you are on active addiction, you think that you have control over every day 
And how does that yeah. control play out? Wake up early in the morning, just using a silly example, feeling like, okay. oh, my head is throbbing. Okay, let me go make some coffee. And you add something a little extra strong just to get you out of that down phase. You become all sprightly. You go about your day. You come back. It's been a crap day. What do you do? You go straight for the liquor cabinet. As soon as I was done with the day with the kids, I would pick up a drink. And it exponentially increases. So that's the modicum of quote-unquote yeah. control. But now where you realize that you have a problem and you realize that you have this disease, which is lifelong, let's not deny that, and there's yeah. so, so many risks involved, and you have to give that control to your higher power, which is, in our case, God, now you're thinking, oh my, what do I do next? What am I supposed to do? And nine times out of ten, even though it could be through meditation, praying, reading the Bible, communion with other fellow members, and I still struggle with this, I must be very honest with you. I still want to know the outcome to every situation, but then I come to a slight pause where God looks at me and says, Chris, uh, 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 no, 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 no. This is for me to control. This is not your fight. This is my fight. You have to take a step back. Let me sort this out. But ultimately, you realize that in the process, your character is being developed in the process. And you start to develop a sense of empathy for people who've walked in the same path that you have. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because I've seen you talk with other people and just one defining sentence lift people's spirits up. And I think that's one of the gifts sobriety has given you as a whole. And your relationship as a mother, I've always said, you know, silly, silly observation. The moment that a mother realizes that life is brewing inside the belly, motherhood like that kicks in like a hidden gear for sure and now especially in recovery i believe that you cherish that relationship with your children even more nowadays than what you did ever before absolutely and that can be a strong motivator for, for recovery don't you think it definitely was for me chris however I, I i've seen it not be other people's bottom you know it takes what it takes but but for me oh, yeah. absolutely yeah for me absolutely I, I, oh, I can't tell you, I just, I love this, my children, just love them to pieces. You've only got boys, do you? I have all boys. <laughs> that must boys. be tough. <laughs> all boys. I gave my mother gray hair and I'm his only child. I mentioned the parable. I, I color wanted. mine. It's there. It's just color. <laughs> <laughs> I mentioned a parable I wanted to tell you. Yes. Um, this takes place in the latter half of the 18th century, uh, during the aristocracy era of, of the United Kingdom. Second World War, as a matter of fact. So it wasn't 18th century, it must have been in the 19th century. 19... I can't think. My head is not where it's supposed to be. But in any event, a poor farmer and his son were busy plowing the fields 
and they start hearing a cry coming from the distant woods and they're dashing towards the scene because it was a part of their land part of the hectares of land that they owned and they see also a young man lying half dead in a pool of water so they scurry him into the house and they nurse him back to health thank goodness about a week or so later a week to a month later as i mentioned this is in the time of the aristocracy a horse carriage a dainty horse carriage comes driving into the farmlands which you would never see because i mean social norms oh, that was right right <laughs> that was something in those days i mean this was people who are people of respect you should know and this <laughs> fancily dressed gentleman walks out of the horse carriage up to the farmer and his son and he says uh, that young man that you saved happens to be the son of my client and he would like to reward you for the heroic heroic deed that you practiced now being of modest nature the farmer and his son said you know what we we seek no reward i mean we're only doing what we can for our, for our neighbor love thy neighbor after all but gentleman wouldn't persist and it's so it would turn out that the young farmer the son wanted to study medicine so the man who he had saved his father paid for his education 20 to 30 years down the line this young farmer's son by now a respected doctor in the field of medicine would develop the miracle cure known as penicillin and in so doing he would save that young man as a boy he would save again as a young man for the second Ooh. time who was the farmer son who became the doctor alexander fleming the young man Ooh. that he saved twice british prime minister sir winston churchill oh wow so here's the point that i'm trying to make of letting go and letting god we're all writing an individual story to influence the next person. So, getting back to your walk. How has your story played out in the years following since you've realized that you had a problem and you began working the program? What has changed for you for the better? Oh my goodness. What hasn't changed for the better, Chris? I mean, You know, I used to laugh or not even laugh. That's that's not even it, not laugh. I used to hear, you know, all these people share on meetings. Just, you know, my life is, you know, beyond my wildest dreams, you know, in recovery mm. after they had some time. And uh, I'd be like, I don't feel that. You know, at the time when I, at the time, right? <laughs> at, the time. at the time, even years and even years into my sobriety, mm, mm. it is within this last year of reworking the steps that I have found this peace and serenity that is amazing, indescribable, almost uh, indescribable. I, that I have found the fellowship that I crave, that I have found that I can be free, that I am free. Uh, and to be you. Yes, Chris. Yes. 
But without the liquid courage. No liquor courage. Even even in sobriety, until this last year, I was still being that chameleon. I was still trying to be who, who you wanted me to be. I was still trying to fit in with the people I thought I should fit in with. Mm. I, my, my motives weren't pure. All this stuff. I still thought, you know, as, as I, I would be in a room. I went into a meeting on Zoom during the pandemic. Mm -hmm. A meeting that is, I have two meetings that have changed my, really changed my sobriety in the way I think. And uh, they changed your whole thinking. I'm they guessing. did. And, and again, with uh, reworking the steps as well. But uh, I, get, I get so emotional and so distracted because I'm so oh, passionate about stay. this. Please I'm stay. so passionate about this, Chris. Like to have found this blessing. It's a blessing. The people that I have found that are like-minded, that have taught me to love people where they're at, mm. that love me where I'm at, who I can be honest with. Like, I can sit here and I can tell you anything, Chris, and I'm not in fear of how you judge me anymore. I'm free. I give me. Mm. Mm. I don't worry about that anymore. But a year ago, I still, I still was like that. I wasn't free. And to a I great degree, I think that is a natural part of the journey because you're frightened. I was frightened when that, when I first started coming to HJ3, which we've mentioned on the podcast before Sarah's uh, done work with me here. I think that's part and parcel of the journey, which is that fear that you have to abridge. Because, sure, there's a modicum of us on the inside who have used, because of especially emotional trauma, physical trauma, the criteria is way too big. But because of that, longing is the best word I can think of. You try and fit in in the hope of getting that love that way. But when you abridge that fear and you start becoming yourself by comparison, you get that love with cause and effect, no questions asked and no charge. And I have to agree with you, it is a blessing because I'm going to play open cards with you. And I don't think I've said this on the podcast before whatsoever. I was frightened of HJ3, scared witless, because number one, I'm clearly not American. So I thought culturally that would cause a clash with my way of thinking, being from another country halfway around the world. Uh... I was criticized, believe it or not, in the NA meeting that I attended here for the way that I speak. I've tried to turn that down in podcasts. I've tried to turn that down in meetings, but I can't. And then a friend of mine who's involved in recovery work up in Canada from Vancouver, I'm going to have her on the podcast real soon. She said to me, but that's who you are. That's the gift God has given you. We are all given talents. And I don't think ever, despite what other theologians have said, but those talents never get taken away. They only get suppressed deep below the cavern of your soul. But ultimately now being yourself in recovery and working the steps and meditating and so on, that talent blossoms. So the way that I carry myself vocally, I can't control. It's a God-given gift. 
but also there's an empathy that I never had before because what happened in addiction, it was all, and you can relate, me, 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 me. Yeah, yeah. Now, the empathy comes to blossom, and it's that same kind of empathy that you are being showered with, which at first you can't grasp, and I'm going to choose my words carefully, but it's something that you cannot live without. It's not addictive. It's not addictive, hear me. But it's something that you can't live without because the reason being is it helps give you a clear mind. It helps put something into perspective for you. Like you quite mentioned recently, you've reworked your program. But also, I don't know if you get the same feeling as well, but I walk away from these meetings quite energized and ready to take on life no matter what. Would you agree? Absolutely. No, I agree 100%. 100%. Now, <laughs> I mentioned talents. Now, another observation I have to share with you. A lot of people that I've spoken with from overseas have been engaged in various forms of, of uh, advocacy, but some of them are just some of the most talented people and creative people that you can think of. I mean, I've spoken to painters, monologists, stand-up comedians, uh, <clears throat> people like me who, who are in the performing arts full-time. This might sound completely off-center, but in your walk, have you discovered a hidden talent that helps keep you on the straight and narrow? Or a hobby, at least? <laughs> oh. You're looking at me like, Doi, what are you asking me? <laughs> I, don't I don't really... It's just funny because... I look at my life and I thought that same question, you know, Steph, you don't really have any hobbies. But what it is for me today, Chris, is just continuing to be, continuing to try to be a better person, to see where I can help others. Um, you know, I have a friend named Clay who- Oh, I've met Clay, sweet guy. Yes, you have met Clay. And, uh, you know, he says this phrase, and, and I, I, not only does he say it, he lives it. I observe it. You know, he wakes up in the morning and, and uh, first of all, he, he wakes up happy and joyous and free every day. Every day. It's a, I'm it's stop a praying for that. Yeah, it's awesome. But he has this saying that, he writes his plans for the day in pencil and he really does I, I believe he really does he doesn't write them in pen because he works for god he's god's employee today and that's what i'm continuing to strive for um so hobbies i mean i don't have them i i well you mentioned something that uh, that is of <laughs> That could be a vital substance. Do you write things down in pencil? Or are you just mentioning that as an example? I didn't used to, but I do now. But I think it, for me, it's still a little bit figurative. If that's as with me. Chris, no, I might oh. be wrong. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, the same with me. The same with me. I mean, uh, let's, just, let's just be honest here. From person to person, from son to mother, we as males... We struggle to keep things in the cerebral engine. So 
Guys, if you hear this and you're going to cuss me under your breath, I think it's better if you turn the podcast <laughs> off. Because this is what men should... <laughs> I think this is what men should do, is adhere to a strict schedule. If there's something that you should do today, do it. Write it down in pen and follow it to the letter because our thinking heads in 20 million directions in a galaxy of dimensions. And then when we come home at the end of the night and we hear... Did you do this? What's the first words that audibly escape our mouth? Oh, drat. Well, actually, uh, something more stronger than oh, drat, but you get the picture. And then it leads yes. to a snit, a cat fight, and both parties are angry at each other. And then it's a hate crime, and everyone's not talking to one another for three months until eventually one has to say sorry, but then the cycle repeats itself. Guys, we have to do this. We have to admit our faults. We are not proactive thinkers. And that's why we need women in our life. They keep us balanced. <laughs> no, I'm, t I'm telling you the truth. I'm no. telling you the truth. <laughs> but in the same sentence, women need men. Because we protect you. If we criticize you, that's our fault. And you should have the constitutional right to slap us. Because we think, not necessarily with this, we think with this. Because of the <laughs> excess amount of adrenaline and testosterone. And other things. Let's not go there. But yes, I do agree. <laughs> you know, I'm reverting to, to my inner hill, aren't I? My inner Hillary. Oh, for God's sake. <laughs> <laughs> Hillary, Hillary, oh, what a darling. Like Oh, I mean, she's God. done two podcasts with me, and the thing is, she has such a unique way of wangling the situation. I mean, one day, to give you an idea, now, I live around the corner from the airport, so what I normally do is I keep one earphone off my ear to listen for any aircraft so I can mute my microphone. And she wanted to use the word texting but because these are dynamic earphones so the same amount of vibration transferred into sound waves comes out at the same volume on both sides of the ear so with this i only got half a word and i heard exting and the girl and her thinking oh i know i heard that <laughs> let's not go there she was not happy with oh. me but she took it in good spirits Oh, man. Hillary, I love you to pieces. And here's I love another you too, thing. Hell. And here's another thing that I think society needs more. And it's not sociopolitical, it's just human nature. We need to laugh more. Especially Absolutely. especially in this pandemic. Let's not downplay it. It has been costly and gravely so. But if there's one thing that it has caused me as a person to do is to also reset my mind and to start taking life still seriously, a modicum of seriousness, but also to enjoy the levity from moment to moment. Because we never know how long our path on earth is going to be. No, so let's, let's enjoy it, the times that we have. And let's face it, there are moments that can be horrible extremely horrible but if we can still laugh about it it's at least a temporary bandage on the heart yeah. i mean 
when my mother divorced my father, I just saw the life drain out of her eyes. And we made each other a promise, and I have mentioned it on the podcast before. We made each other a promise, a solemn vow, to at least a minimum once a day laugh, but not (laughs) that fake sort of guffaw and snigger, but a full-on belly laugh. Belly laugh, yeah. yeah. A a full-on, and I mean, if you look at what's happening currently in the news, there's plenty to laugh about. And I mean, watching America's Funniest Home videos on YouTube can be be a good example. Can be fun. I mean, have you seen these videos lately of people slipping on ice? No, I haven't. (laughs) I have not, but I'm going to when I get off here. (laughs) It's the best. I mean, these poor people, some of them are trying to shuffle snow out of their driveway. And I was told the story by a late friend of mine who uh, had family up in Schenectady, New York, of every morning having to shuffle Shuffle. snow with a plow and... uh, they can't keep their footing because it's so slippery. And I mean, this one videos of this one woman taking out her trash, but I mean, she slips three times and she holds on for dear life on those wheelie bins. Now, you know, a wheelie bin, it can tilt backwards because it's got two wheels at the I, back. I never heard of a wheelie bin. What in the heck is a wheelie bin? Let me see if Chris? I can get you. Let me see if I can get you a picture. <laughs> Maybe we call it something different out here in California. I guess so, because if What's I say... That? If I use the word advocacy, someone says to me, no, it's pronounced advocacy. Advocacy, yes. If I say potato or uh, potato, someone else says potato. If I say tomato, someone else says, no, it's tomato. But, you know, we're we're getting there. We're getting there. We're bridging the divide. I can't wait to see what this picture is going to be. Oh, you're going to kick yourself. You're going to kick yourself. (laughs) Come on. There we we are. Well, that's just a garbage can. We call it a wheelie bin. (laughs) (laughs) Look, it's got two wheels on the back. That is a trash can for the garbage man to pick up. (laughs) Here in California, anyway. Okay. (laughs) That's great, though. I get it because it has the wheels and okay, wheelie yeah. bin. It's cute. And we were cute, taught. In, we were taught in school to speak of a wheelie bin. Okay. And it sounds. I know it sounds compulsively Greek to say that, but you know, what can you do? <laughs> you have to listen <laughs> to the it. teacher. I learned a new word. <laughs> well, I, I, Sarah. Here's another one. We're going completely all off the rails. I spoke to her about the one time that my dog got sick, and. You know, when a dog gets an upset stomach, people would normally say diarrhea. But I was taught in school to speak of this. You know what what slang means, right? Slang words. Yes, Chris, that word is simple enough. (laughs) Thank you. But thank you for checking. I appreciate it. I do know what that word means. But uh, synonymously, we were taught to speak of the trots. Trot? Like a trotting horse? The oh, okay. It's diarrhea. Okay. Come on. What other big words do you want to know? I'm laughing with you, not at you. <laughs> oh, you can laugh at me. I've got a pig skin. <laughs> is that like having a thick skin? Very much so, because a okay, pig skin is inherently thick. Thick. 
pigskin. But of course, in American football, you call the ball pigskin? No, we call it a football. Well, I heard someone you say、uh, we're tossing the old pigskin. Maybe, but not in California. Okay, so it varies from <laughs> state to state. Place? I don't know. <laughs> I only know football. That's all I know. <laughs> so I've got a pigskin. You can laugh at me. I'm so used to it. And that's another thing that I love about sobriety the complete doing away with the self centeredness. And、um, I think that's also an effect of, of, of trauma where you don't want to get hurt. So you question every single thought and action. And、uh, again, I mentioned this earlier the possible outcome, where you want to predict the possible outcome. I'm starting graciously to let that go. And I used to hate it when people laugh at me because the first thing is, why can't I laugh with you? What's so funny? And then I try and get an explanation out of these people, but they continuously keep on laughing. And then I get frustrated. And then I react, would react in an almost animal manner of rage. But if you. Boy, I can't see it like that. Oh, trust me. I was a monster. I can't even I was a monster in my in my、uh, active days, darling. And I'm not proud of it, but the first thing that I said when I accepted that I have a disease, I said, I forgive myself. And still, I get now and again flashbacks of my previous actions, and it's painful, but it's almost like a switch that says, That's not me anymore. So those thoughts don't count. So when people laugh at me, I enjoy it because at least it's a sign of, from God on a high that He's using me to help、Ooh. alleviate something, at least not, if not temporarily, just momentarily. Give them a sense of levity that everything's going to be all right.、Mm-hmm. You touched on something, we collectively touched on something, and that's companionship, fellowship. In sobriety. Tell me about it. Your experiences of fellowship. Well, I've had some good ones and I've had some not so good ones, Chris. Oh, let's focus on the good ones. The bad yeah, ones, we'll just say we forgive you, yeah. but yeah. it yeah. is a prevalent theme. I agree with you. I haven't, oh gosh. Having the fellowship that I crave. Is everything to me. I was talking to my friend,、uh, I'm pretty sure I can say his last name,、uh, my friend Dave Fox the other day. Oh, Davey. Taser Dave. Oh, yeah, Taser Dave. And、uh, in fact, I know I can say his name. He, he could care less.、Um, <clears throat> oh, and I just blanked on what you just said. But we were、out. talking about I mean,、uh, Taser Dave. Yeah, what in the heck was I going to talk about Taser Dave about? We were talking about fellowship, and then it came on to Taser Dave, and then I threw the conversation completely off center. <laughs> oh, shoot. Can't remember what I was going to say about Taser Dave. Well, we're going to have to go into something else because I've like, lost my train of thought. <laughs> well, at least you're laughing. Here we go. I think I know. I was talking to him the other day. No, I can't remember. It's gone. That's fine. That's fine. Gone, gone, gone Chris.、Poof. One moment. However,、uh, I, I, yeah. And I'm not blonde, by the way. Manufactured. So I don't know how、blonde. that was a blonde moment. 
Well, I'm, you're a manufactured blonde. Oh, these are called highlights here in California. <laughs> these are fake. You're right. Manufactured. You're right. They aren't manufactured. <laughs> well, it comes from a bottle. It comes from a bottle. You're right. It's manufactured. <laughs> Believe it or not, I had blonde hair. Now, bearing in mind my hair fell out, but I had blonde hair at one point. Blonde highlights. Did my, you really? Back in my college days. Back in okay. my dark days, I came across a photo like that. I had hair literally up until just roughly beyond my my uh, uh, jawline here, like shocking, shocking blonde. I think I was having like a misfit sort of fever going on. Something. I had a <laughs> mutton chop beard like Lenny Kilmeister from Motorhead from ear to ear. Oh I promise God. you. I wasn't the clean-shaved James Bond, uh, James Bond look-alike. I almost said James Blonde. <laughs> oh, Chris. You're telling yourself that one. I love it. I love it. I don't know how else to characterize myself. <laughs> it could be worse. I could have said Roger Moore. Oh, no, I love Roger Moore. What a gentleman. What a, what a gentleman. What a gentleman. And there will never be another like him. In fact, one of my late lecturers who taught me the profession that I would later specialize in, he had an uncanny resemblance to the late Roger Moore. Same facial structure, the same blue eyes, um, same square jaw, and he even had the same kind of manner of speaking that Roger had. An unbelievable sex appeal. And I'm not saying this salaciously. Please hear me. And you say the word sex, and that's all you have to say. And now I really don't know what we're talking about. We're going all over the place. It doesn't follow any sort of order. He was, a, he was the South African radio heartthrob. In fact, I've still come across photos now and again. In fact, let me see if I can get a photo of him. Then you tell me if he uh, where does the... anything for me. No, I wanted I wanted you to. Oh, oh come on, you're married. <laughs> you're married with kids. Come now. Absolutely, I'm married with kids. But at least you. No, I wanted you to to see the resemblance. Okay, uh, let me see. Let me just type in his name here in the search bar. Uh, da -da -da -da. Where are you? Here he is. That was my lecturer. Can you see? Oh yeah, he's handsome. That he's handsome. Does he look like Roger? Yes, yes, absolutely. Same kind of speaking. And whenever he spoke, I mean, the women 40 years younger or not, their hearts would melt and their knees too. <laughs> Chris, isn't that what we girls say about you? I yes. don't know what you, I, I don't know, know what you girls say about me. Christopher, Chris, we have been. Okay, stop, numerous... stop, stop, stop! Right there. First off, my full name isn't Christopher. Let's just clarify this. My full name is Christian, like Christian Slater. Christian? Yes. Oh, I love that name. I love that name. Yes, but our friend Christian Ratten. Christian Ratten has the same name, so that's why I prefer my first name. If you actually had to hear one of my countrymen say my last name, your hair will literally stand on end. So I said, no, 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 please call me Chris. It's a simple five-letter word. 
but commonly <laughs> the abbreviated name for Christopher is Chris. So I've had a lot of people call me yeah, call me Chris. Sure. But I mean, Chris is a fi simple five-letter name. Come on. Well, thank thank you for clarifying. Thank you for clarifying. But you girls apparently talk about me behind my back. Oh, not we do it right in front of you. What are you talking about? In HJ uh -huh. three, in HJ three, do we or we do we not? Many times I have heard this. I have been in the meeting. You speak and do a share, and everyone will start to comment when they share. Oh, Chris, your voice, you can read any time. Don't act humble. You know it's true. No, really. I'm, You've been there. I'm often self-critical about my attributes because I grew up oh. without a dad. And uh, so whenever I should get a compliment like that, I, ex I now I, I learn to accept it. But in the beginning, it was difficult to accept. But this might sound pharisaical. But I don't know what my own voice sounds like. Facetious. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. But this sounds facetious. I don't know what my own voice sounds like. And I'll tell you full oh. why. Inside your ears, your eardrums are like filters. So it blocks you from hearing what your actual voice sounds like. The voice that you hear when you are speaking is what's called your head voice. So with other words, Think like a filter on a on a on a uh, on a microphone when someone's performing. Mm -hmm. When you hear that muffled sound, that's the voice that you hear. It's called a head voice. But in reality, if I had to record it on tape now and I would listen to it back, the results would be a day and night's difference. So in that respect, I don't know what my voice sounds like. Okay, I'm following you. Well, I can tell you what it sounds like. Please do. Not only is it sexy, and we all think it is. Married or not, we all agree. <clears throat> it is peaceful. I mean, really? it gives, when you read, it, it's very peaceful and it, it's very calming for us as well really? as sexy. Yeah, so that's I, why. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. And I've been getting a lot of people who have told me, why don't you record audiobooks? And I would love the opportunity. That's uh, a great idea. Because I am a fastidious reader, but the facilities here, <clears throat> the media market in South Africa is small in comparison to Hollywood, which is the performing arts capital or California as a whole. Yeah. But I would love to undertake the opportunity. I think it's a healthy medium because, I mean, uh, what what is better? What Reading a book until literally you come to the point where the letters dance in front of your eyes? Or for that matter, listening to someone tell, telling you, telling you a story. And you can already have that picture in your mind. Yes, yes. So I will gladly do it any time. Um, but I don't have control of the outcome of whatever I say. I'm just, I'm just being me, Chris Nell, like Steph is being Steph. So, <laughs> because we you can't control sexy. the outcome anymore, Chris. We Naturally. can't control the outcome, you know, and... But I've got That's one... another thing I I I am grateful to know today, you know, is that uh, I don't control things anymore. Uh, neither do it's, I. It's it's so freeing. For the good and the bad, so I must freeing. admit. Yeah, yeah. I'm still having personal trouble with letting go of the bad things, because of whatever criteria I may have. But as I mentioned off air, it helps strengthen your character. 
and you literally, as the tired old saying goes, one day at a time. You might agree with me on this that uh, there are days where you and I can both wake up not feeling up to it and that we don't want to partake in the day. And I can subscribe that to perhaps an imbalance in the spirit and an imbalance in the brain. But going through that with humility and with trust in God, hopefully the next day will get better and better and better. Your thoughts on that? I'm glad you brought that up, Chris, because that is what has changed for me in the last year. When I rework these steps is getting to that trust in God, Mm. reliance on God. Um, you know, before I came into this program, I, I believed in God and I had a faith. You know, this last year, not only has it been my best year mm. in, in, in program-wise and in my spiritual growth and, uh, and all of that, but, you know, hard, hard things have happened this year. Of course. Of and course. I truly believe that if I had not gotten unblocked, I would not have, would not be able to be navigating what my youngest uh, child has gone through this last year. Um, and and I owe that very much to to um, to God. Does the serenity prayer also form part of that reworking? Lord, please grant yeah. me the. Yeah. Absolutely, because, you know, it's not only that I trust God and I sit back, you know, I take the action necessary for my youngest son, Mm -hmm. Uh, but then, then I have to sit back and let God do the work, Mm. you know, and, uh, and that's the difficult part, but it's the freeing part, Chris, Mm. it's the most, like, I, I can't, I, I, I'm okay. I mean, it's calam- I'm, I match calamity with serenity today. Mm. And I didn't have that a year ago. I'm sure. I would have made all this stuff about my youngest son all about me a year ago. I I would have come into meetings and I would have been... All over the place. Crying a whole different way than I cry today. You know? I, because I would have made it about me. Today I come in and I, I know it's about him. Mm. Or should I say them? It's 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 honestly them. Now, they, they go by they them, and um, and that just happened last week. I mean, every week it's something different, and you know what's great? I can suit up and show up with love today. Of course. I don't care what you think about them or they. I don't care. You know, I, I, let me rephrase that. I care. But I can't control what you think. Because you're and a mother, and that's natural. It's the mama bear part. But, it, Chris, this year has been something. It's the whole reason that I, I, I wanted, you know, that I'm grateful I got to come and share today. Because if you had told me <clears throat> a year ago, that I would be helping walk my child through this, I wouldn't have believed you. 
I definitely wouldn't have had these painted nails for pride. I saw. I saw. pride on. I never thought, you know, um, and I can do this because that's who I am. I want to support him. I want to love them. I want to, I want to be that safe place, you know, like God is for me. Mm. Um, and it's just, a year ago, I probably would have picked up a drink walking through this, Chris, to be honest, if I hadn't reworked those steps, if I hadn't found the fellowship that I crave. Mm. I didn't trust God. Absolutely. I didn't trust God. I can relate to that as well, because, um, that's why I keep on saying you as the person wants to control the outcome because you're frightened of the future because you don't know what the future entails. And it's harder for a mother because the mama bear instinct is omnipresent. And no matter how kids screw up, and I know as a son I've screwed up <laughs> seven times 70 by a dozen, baker's dozen. But if it wasn't for my mother, I think I would still be in active addiction today because she was the first person that I opened up to and said that I have a problem. And saying that, I was ready to... <sighs> because you're thinking of what are they going to respond with? You're a disgraceful son. You're a this, you're a that, you're a something else. But the unabated love was paramount and that's what got me to start getting on the straight and narrow now bear in mind it came with a couple of bumps in the road but that's neither <laughs> here nor there but she's my motivation well i'm doing this for me but it started with her to get my act together that is what is i think praiseworthy of mothers and for that mothers don't get near as enough praise in fact, we just celebrated Father's Day, and I said on a radio broadcast, it should be equally Mother's Day as it should be Father's Day, and it should be Father's Day as equally as it should be Mother's Day. Because that love never goes away. That child could be infant, or they could be 20, they could be 30, they could be 50 for all we care. But for as long as there's breath in a parent's body, they will fight for you hand over fist come hell or high water and come what may and i think the uh expression is you should give yourself a tap on the shoulder no i think you should be given a hug times seven times 70 for the undertaking that you've taken and i want to talk again about fellowship because <laughs> hillary comes into this again uh the one thing that Hillary has shown me, she's got a way of saying something, but without saying it, she shows it. Yeah. It's, she's taught me as a person to stop taking myself so damn seriously, because that's a character defect. And bearing in mind, she's also a mother. I mean, mm -hmm. she's got a she's a, she's got adult children now. She's got a youngest now that's still in school, and a daughter that's now currently serving overseas. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> But I love her playfulness, and I love her kindness. And sure, her sense of humor is, at times, incredibly potty-mouthed. Oh, but it's incredible. <laughs> but it comes from uh, an honest place. It comes from yes. an honest place. And she rubs off on Pure all of us joy. in fellowship. Mm -hmm. Pure and joy. 
And you know what you rub off on me? <laughs> I can only wonder. Okay. Guess. No, I'm not going to guess. No, come on, guess. There's no right or wrong. <sighs> My vulnerability? And transparency? Hmm. And expectancy of what life is going to be like as an impending parent. I'm not married yet, yes. But watching you shower your care and your concern is what I can look forward to. Hopefully one day becoming a father. So in fellowship, we all rub off on one another in one way or another. Through Hillary, it's humor. Through you, as I mentioned, vulnerability and transparency and expectancy of what parenthood will be like. Let's use another example with Sarah. The ever-present bleeding heart, and I don't mean that not in a in a in a in a admonishing way. Her care, her heart for others, yes. no matter age. I mean, I'm the youngest in the entire group, most of all. Uh, no, no you're what, not. Yes, I am. You're, not the, you're younger than Mac. Yes. Well, no, Mac. Mac oh, sorry, Mac is the youngest. I'm second oh, youngest. Okay. I'm like, there is no way. I mean, maybe it's possible, but I just don't think so. But I'm turning 29 next. I'm turning 29 next week. Are you? I thought you were so much older, Chris. <laughs> and that's a compliment, by the way. No, of course, of course, of course. I appreciate. I had no that. idea. No, I'm. I'm oh my gosh, 29. my oldest son is 27. My oldest son is 27. And is this the one that recently just graduated? No, that was my stepson who's 18. Oh, my, okay. My 27-year-old graduated college years ago, four years ago. Yeah. Oh, I see. I see. Yeah, I'm 28. Well, for her one voice, more week. It's her voice, I bet. I don't know. Oh, anyway, don't look, get me sidetracked. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> no matter what age, no matter what creed, no matter what gender, Sarah will love you with a love that I don't think even she thought she had. Oh, Sarah, oh, are you, let me and tell you a beautiful story about Sarah. Please do. Do you mind? No, come on. I'll probably cry, but let me tell you. Please do. I have two beautiful stories about my Sarah. First of all, in the work, she was in the workshop where I reworked my steps and she mm -hmm. did it the month previous and to me and Sarah, who I've never met, heard my fist step. Mm -hmm. on zoom it changed so much for me um, my second thing about sarah when my youngest son um experienced some went through some trauma um i called sarah sarah listened sarah cried sarah screamed and remember, I have never met Sarah. I live in California and she's in New, New Jersey, I believe. Yeah, up on the East Coast. She said to me, I would do anything right now to hop in a plane and be there for you right this moment. Mm. That is the power, not only of God, this fellowship that I continue to tell you that I found that I crave. I have never met this woman. I feel like this, this close with her, you know, As do I. you know, and it's, 
It's the bleeding heart. It's true friendship. It's true love. Absolutely. I mean, I have friends here that I've known for years and I don't feel as close to them as I do with, with, with Sarah. She barely knew me and she was screaming mm. that mama bear cry. And that's and the only feeling that like, mothers can share. One mother to another. You're probably right. Yeah, that's true too. I've got a funny story so that I want to tell you about. Uh, so God, though, don't you think? Sarah. Absolutely, without a shadow that of a doubt. We're all assigned people. All together. Hmm. We're all assigned people in our walk with God. People who we never even thought possible. And I mean, I'm a South African, you're an American, and we're, <laughs> and we're being palsy. I know. <laughs> that can only be God. But it brings me to a Bible passage. Um, tell me, which doctrine do you follow in Christianity? Are you Catholic? Are you non-denominational? I'm Lutheran. I'm oh, Lutheran. Lutheran. Then you'll know exactly which Bible I'm referring to in New King James. Jeremiah 29 verse 11 where it says expressly, For I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. Plans for you to prosper and not to harm you. And plans to give you hope and a future. Those plans also incorporate to my perception people that come into our lives. And who stay there for a season, which is normally the bad th people, the toxic relationships, but the people who last a lifetime. And that's people like Sarah. And this brings mm -hmm. me to this story. Uh, I had Sarah on my radio show back here in South Africa when I was still doing the morning show at, uh, for a year. And I'd begun doing interviews on recovery, people sharing their story and whatnot. And uh, Sarah shares a, a parable of uh, when she was using in her dark days that she would be in the car and cops wouldn't pull her over, but she would be partaking at length. But now that she's sober, she gets regularly pulled over by the police. <laughs> and that happened to me. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Oh, and we all burst out laughing. And I think that's also good. One good thing, one saving grace that's come out of this pandemic is companionship and friendship beyond borders and breaking stigma. Because I'll be honest with you, uh, when I started speaking to Americans and Canadians, there were a lot of questions, you know, how do you live your life in this country? And then I would reciprocate. Also, breaking those those stigmas culturally is also starting to completely abate and there's curiosity going on and that's part of building bridges and i think that's also from god one saving grace that's come out of this pandemic entirely is that companionship beyond borders and building meaningful friendships now sure you and i don't see each other face to face we're talking via computer screen but it's already like a deep friendship for me because I can't lie to you even if I had a mask on my face. <laughs> and hopefully one day, by the grace of God, we can meet each other face to face and it will be like be a brother unto a sister. It would be incredible. But now bringing it to a close, uh, mm -hmm. Steph, I want to ask you two questions and you can share at length or how, at, how condensed or how at length you wish. What are some of the life lessons and life experiences that you've experienced that has kept you on the straight and narrow? 
since being sober. Since being sober. Since being sober. <clears throat> you ready? I'm, re I'm I remember, ready. I remember. I think this will tie in. I remember my Dave Fox thing. Right. I was telling him the other day. There are moments, brief moments or thoughts once in a while that pop into my brain momentarily or a feeling that comes across where I romanticize for a moment what it would be like to drink, mm -hmm. to have a drink. Okay. And the other day I woke up crying, which is very rare. I don't just wake up crying because the night before or the day before in, in a family therapy session, it came out that my youngest son was going to uh, officially live with his, uh, live with his partner. No, he's only 14. No. <laughs> <laughs> Live with his uh, father, Live my ex-husband, right? Yes, <laughs> and uh, anyway, and so as a mother, you know that uh, that was hard the day before. But I know it's the right decision, I, and, and 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 I'm it's just a grieving process, and it's all working itself out. But anyway, um, I called up Dave, and I was talking to him. The fellowship that I crave, Dave is one of my very good friends. And uh, I said, you know, when I, 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 I think once in a while about, about that drink in moments like this, when I wake up crying and it's like, why am I doing all this? Like, why? Like, now I'm, you know, why? And I said, and Dave, I picture people like you and Clay and Mac and Sarah and, you know, all these people, Taylor. And in that moment, I know my whole life, all my friends are in this fellowship. And sometimes that gives me this glimpse of, I wouldn't have that anymore. Is this thought of this drink worth losing all these amazing people that God has put in my life? And it stops me. I don't even have to pick up the phone and call. Sometimes God just puts them on my heart and it makes me up. Oh, Steph, this life you have, these gifts I've given you, these people, and it makes me stop for mm. that moment of that, of that brief thought. And, and that is something that I, that is what I have, a huge gift that I've gotten in, in sobriety. Mm. Mm. Let me tell you another one. It was Clay's birthday, 50th birthday in March. No so way, is he 50? Yes. <laughs> I'll, I'll edit that out. I'll edit that I out. Think, no, I'm sure it's fine. But you can check with him, but I'm sure it's fine. Clay doesn't have secrets. It's not a secret. <laughs> um, he'll tell you anything. Anyway, I love you, Clay. Um, and I went, this is a gift of our program. I went to, to bring him a gift 
And uh, that's what I thought was happening in that moment. Mm -hmm. What really happened in that moment for me was he gave me a gift. First of all, it was the first hug with masks on that I have received in a very long, that I at that time had received in a very long time. Of course. And uh, we had gone through all this stuff, you know, he helped me rework my steps and, and all of this beautiful stuff and shared all the meetings. Chris, you know, I, I, I'm in, anyway. And, um, and so you know how, uh, you know how you and I are creating this friendship and we feel this bond even through the computer. Mm, mm. Well, that's pretty much how I had seen him, you know. Mm. However, I had known him before, but not the way I know him now. Anyway, the gift was the gift was I got to come into his home that I had never seen. He walked me through and showed me pictures and things that meant stuff to him, and had me sign. He has a bathroom book, guest book for his bathroom. You can draw a picture in there. You can write in there. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, he does. It's it's awesome, Chris. It's hilarious. My so I drew goodness. My and, and I wrote my little thing about my bathroom experience. You know. <laughs> <laughs> this is play. Okay, this is play. Okay. And, <laughs> <laughs> it's true. And they open. And I'm. <laughs> Oh, this is fun. I'm telling all your secrets. <laughs> the point of the story is he opened his gift oh. and it was, it was it was beautiful and wonderful. But then he said to me, oh, and I read him this thing that I had written because he's uh, not on social media per se. Naturally. So he didn't see my Facebook post that I, I had put up about him uh, for his birthday. And and here's the thing. I So I read it to him. Mm-hmm. And Clay says, Steph, I would love to sing a song for you. He got out his guitar. Intimate. Oh, Chris, it, 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 just thinking about it brings me to tears. Tears of joy. Because I went there to give something to him. And they gave and you I left a love beyond words. A love beyond words, exactly. These are the life lessons. These are the things that I have gotten as gifts of sobriety. Not only a change in my thinking, not only the fellowship I crave, not only the gift of finally 90% of the time being comfortable in my skin, mm. being able to get out of self today, knowing how to get unblocked from uh, getting unblocked so that I can keep my connection with my higher power. You know, they're all the gifts that I've been given. The life lessons that is not about stuff today. You know, it's 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 truly loving people where they're out, loving people where they're at. The fellowship I crave loves people where they're at. And that is such a gift that now I do my best to do the same. Absolutely. And it makes everything in my past, those promises have come true. Everything in my past, the guilt, the shame, everything. Moot. 
worthwhile. Yeah, it's done. It, it's just, it's mute because this gift that I now have, this life I now have, that I can share with other people, mm. it's all worth it. Absolutely. Ladies and gentlemen, if this conversation in its entirety has proven one thing, even the lollygagging and the joking and the laughing, these are some of the gifts that you can look forward to in sobriety as well. It's a non-linear path. There's no one size fits all. And this conversation has proven it. We are allowed to be vulnerable. We are allowed to be frail. We are allowed to be happy. All of this is part and parcel of sobriety, fellowship, communion, but also the bedrock of the 12 steps. If that is your usage, your method of getting on the straight and narrow or uh, if you are met where you are at currently at that point, and that should be your method, these are some of the gifts that you can look forward to. And that's the reason why I wanted you on, Steph. Thank you so much for your time. It's been a blast. Thank you, Chris. And I love you dearly. Nothing but I the best going too. forward, my friend. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Love you. Mwah. That was having a cuppa for this week. We hope you enjoyed this leg of the journey. Until the next time we meet, tell your friends and write us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts.